Whether we like it or not, the lives we live are stories, and living a meaning-filled story does not happen by accident. In fact, living a good story is a lot like writing one. Unless you put in the work to write a good story, you may find you have lost the plot in your own life. You find yourself feeling restless, feeling bored, feeling hopeless. If you feel like you've lost the plot in your life, then this six-part limited series called Hero on a Mission, based on my book, Hero on a Mission, is just for you. Your business, your relationships, your story needs to flow out of something. It needs a plot. If you've ever thought or wondered if life is meaningless, I want to convince you that it is not. There is, in fact, meaning in life, and there can be an experience of meaning for you. But only, only if you take control of your own story. I'm Donald Miller, and I want to welcome you to this limited series brought to you by Business Made Simple, all about becoming a hero on a mission. I want to start today's conversation by saying my new book, Hero on a Mission, is finally, finally available. We've been talking about it for a long time. You can actually go on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and you can get the book. And with everything that went into writing this book, I was actually just thinking about when I recorded the audiobook. It was a couple months ago. Uh, I was in the studio for about three hours over three consecutive days, so nine hours recording this whole book. And whenever you record an audiobook, it's the first time ever that you actually sit down as the author and you read it from cover to cover. Uh, you don't do that when you're editing the book or when you're writing the book. You are just – your fits and false starts. You're all over the place. You hardly ever read it because if you do read it, you want to stop and fix things. So it's the first time that you the, the author actually gets to know what they wrote. And the one thing that struck me as I completed the audiobook is that I've written a book about hope and about meaning and how you can experience a deep sense of meaning or purpose in your life. And right in the middle of it, there are three chapters, three – Three chapters about death. <laughs> right in the middle of the book. And I didn't realize that when I wrote it. I, I, you know, I guess it's like, well, here's some thoughts about death and, uh, and here's some more. Oh, and then I forgot to tell you, here's some other thoughts about death. The reason is that in the last 10 years, there's probably been almost nothing that has served my life more than actually processing and metabolizing the fact that I am going to die and that you are going to die and that we all are going to die. If you think about human beings, they do not think about it. Most people literally, they believe and they live as if they are going to live forever. They live as if there is no end to their story. And of course, you know, I I think there's something going on after this world. I, I think we're very limited in our understanding, even Christians about what that involves, what, what we know is that you ain't going to be here uh, in about, for me, in about 40 years. I'm gone. Why think about death? Well, in the book, the book actually asks you to write your eulogy. I mean, r- r- really, it asks you to sit down and write your eulogy as though it's being delivered at your funeral. And the reason that I do that is there's several reasons. One is when you actually process the fact that you are going to die. And when you are going to die, I have 30 years. In 30 years, I'll be 80 years old. The average American lives between 78.5. I'm not a lives to be 78.5. I'm not this delusional optimist that believes that I'm going to make it to 96. 
you know, that would be great. Um, but it's probably not going to happen. Average is 78.5. I hope to get, you know, a couple years after the average and I'm out. That is that is a realistic view. Now, here's what that serves me. Here's how that serves me. It serves me in some amazing ways. One is it is the number one tool I have ever discovered to get me fully engaged in my own life. I mean, interested. You know, when you're watching a movie, the fact that James Bond only has 30 minutes to disarm this bomb or that our hero uh, has got to break up the wedding where his sweetheart marries his jerk brother by Saturday at noon, uh, that countdown clock creates a sense of urgency and makes the story more interesting. If you have not fully processed the fact that you are going to die, that you are here for a limited time, you don't have a countdown clock. Actually, you do have a countdown clock in your story. You just haven't looked at it. And if you don't look at it, it doesn't work to create a sense of urgency. That That's the number one way it has served me. And, you know, there's two times in my day when I feel a sense of absolute presence, when I, when I am just there, I'm in the moment. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I'm not thinking about yesterday. I am in the moment. It's, an, it's a bit of an eternal feeling. By that, I mean time goes away, it, at least in my perception. Uh, when I'm writing, when I'm creating something, it happens. And when I am with my daughter, my four-and-a-half-month-old daughter, I feel time stops, and I can be fully, fully present. I think that that ability to be present, it only came to me when I started realizing you're not here for very long. In other words, sit here, be here, listen, connect. The fact that this is someday going to be taken away from you makes me want to enjoy it. Is there a sadness to it? Yes, there's a sadness to it. But the sadness isn't because I thought of something sad, death. The sadness comes because I thought of something true, death. It's true. It's not a sad thought. It's a true thought. And so the sadness comes with a gift. Be here. Be now. So that, that's the first way that it really serves me. The second way that, that processing my own death and writing my eulogy and all that sort of serves me is that it helps me realize that my story is actually not about me. And all so much of the stress and angst that we have in life is trying to control, trying to own, try all that stuff is what's bringing you stress and the ability to say, I'm not here forever. So this thing clearly is not about me. It's a, it, it, All I can do is leave something for my kids, leave something for my wife, leave something for my husband, leave something, you know, leave a story here behind and just enjoy this ride. That to me is only possible if you realize you don't get to stick around at all. And we, we try to put our names on libraries. We try to leave a legacy. You know, I'm all for leaving a legacy. Let me tell you where you – if you got a bunch of money, please donate it and get a library. And by all means, put your name on it because that's kind of cool. And your name means something. Your name inspires people. But don't think that that is going to fulfill you. It isn't. That just is a nice thing to do for people that you're leaving behind. But if you really want to leave a legacy, leave a legacy in the hearts of the people that you love. That's where you leave it. That they know you were encouraging and you believed in them and you loved them and you cared about them and you believed in their story. Processing your own death allows you to think that way. 
there, you know, I've got three chapters on the benefit of just realizing your own death. It, and I'm telling you, it, you know, it is a little bit of a sad thing, but the sadness is it's it's better than happiness because it's mixed with a a sense of purpose and drive and urgency and heart. My story wouldn't make any sense unless I was processing my death. Unless I had processed it and metabolized it, and I don't get to be here. The number one sad thing that it tells me is that, you know, everything in me wants to protect my four and a half month old daughter. I can't imagine leaving her behind, especially right now, you know. So what am I doing? I'm eating a little better, getting some exercise, going to a doctor, taking a handful of vitamins the size of horse pills. Why? Because I don't want to leave her behind too soon. She's got to be prepared for that. Death is a gift. I'm telling you, it's just a gift. So how has that changed my life? Uh, I stay home now more than ever. I mean, you have got to, it's got to be a great reason to get on an airplane. I mean, you know, just the other day, got an amazing call. I've wanted, always wanted to get this call. Will you come to DC and help us message immigration reform? I've always wanted to get that call. Always. My whole life I've been dreaming about that call. To be in the room where you get to have an important conversation. And... Um, I thought, you know, you're not here for very long. And she's she changes every day. She looks different every day. I can only go if you get me on a plane in the morning and get me home that night. If I sleep in my own bed and wake up and wake up my daughter. I wouldn't have done that before. I just would I'd have been too power hungry and too, you know, identity driven to give up opportunities like that. But because you realize the story's not about you and your story's gonna end. You want to put something meaningful on the plot every day. It's helped me stay home. It's helped me connect with people. Uh, it's helped me create art. I mean, my whole business was drive, 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 scoreboard, scoreboard, scoreboard. How we doing? How we doing? And now my, my business has turned into we are creating really great frameworks for small businesses. I see them as, as pieces of art, and I want to collaboratively with my team create this art. Why? Because when you process your own death, it's not about a scoreboard, right? It's not about a scoreboard at all. It's about what you leave behind and the help that you leave behind for your fellow man. If you are feeling a sense of meaninglessness, it might be because you are not engaged in your own life. It's a story that's being shown on the screen and you're watching it through the camera of your own eyeballs and it's just not interesting. One of the best ways to make it interesting is when you actually sit down and metabolize the fact that it's going to end. And one of the best ways to do that is to write your eulogy. You know, screenwriters often start with the end in mind. So you, you say, I want to write a meaningful love story. Okay, well, we're going to end with this um, man and woman. The man barges into the wedding and the whole crowd is stunned and he says, you can't do this, Nancy. You can't marry him. You know that I love you. And I know that you love me too. And I can't offer you the kind of security that he's offering you. I can't offer you the money. I can't offer you. But love can build something. Let's get out of here. Come with me. And depending on how that goes, you have a comedy or a tragedy, a happy ending or a sad ending. Well, then you write that scene and you say, okay, now, how do we make this scene meaningful? Well, what if the brother's a jerk? What if, the, what if they're going to get married? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if, and then you, you write the entire story so that you get to that scene. What are people saying about you? What are they feeling? What are they thinking? What's your spouse saying? What are your kids saying? What are your friends saying? What have you accomplished? What have you built? What have you left behind for humanity? 
And then you actually write that eulogy and you say, okay, now how do we live in such a way that people would actually say this and this scene could come true? It's not a woo-woo, fanciful thing. It's literally just a strategic tool to help you make decisions in your own life. And in, if you think you're going to live forever, which you're not, then uh, you don't, that scene's not important. And what's going to happen is somebody else, fate, is going to write that scene for you. And fate, let me tell you, is going to write whatever the heck it wants. It's not going to sit and think about whether you get to experience meaning or not. It's a dispassionate. Fate is dispassionate when it comes to uh, the stuff of your life. Today's episode is all about death for a reason. It's about death because it is the greatest gift in terms of giving you an experience of meaning in life. It is the greatest gift that you have. Process, metabolize your own death and write a story that makes your passing incredibly meaningful to you and to the people that you love. All right, my new book is called Hero on a Mission. There are three chapters in the middle. I promise you they are not sad chapters. I, I said it, they were all about death. They're really all about writing your eulogy because there are things that make those scenes meaningful. When a screenwriter sits down to write that climactic scene, there's a checklist of things that you want to do in that scene. And I think when people read your eulogy, of course, they're not going to read this eulogy. It's a fictional exercise that helps you live a great life. But you're going to want to, to aim toward a climactic scene that makes your entire life meaningful. And I've got a laundry list of things that you'll want to do. So I love geeking out on this stuff. I love thinking about what it takes to live a better story, what it takes to uh, have a deep, uh, meaningful experience. And listen, if you want to know all of my thoughts, and it's about 10 years worth of thoughts on what it takes to experience a deep sense of meaning, go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Audible or wherever you buy books and order my book, Hero on a Mission. Then email your receipt to book at heroonamission.com. It's book at heroonamission.com. When you do, you'll get free instant access to my story-based goal-setting video series. It's a video series I created that just talks about how to get things done using a narrative context. So, you know, here we are in the new year. We're all setting goals. Very few of us reach our goals. And the main reason we don't reach our goals is because our goals are not established in the context of a story. So uh, you are not likely to lose 20 pounds this year. I'm just telling you, you're not. You are very likely to lose 20 pounds if you and three buddies sign up for a marathon and each put 500 bucks in a jar and anybody who doesn't finish the marathon uh, cannot get their 500 bucks back and everybody else splits the money. Why? Because your goal has a story in it. It's based inside of a narrative. So if that makes you curious, you want to know what story-based goal setting is, order the book at Amazon or Audible. Forward your receipt to book at heroonamission.com. I will email you back a link to that free story-based goal setting video series. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Grab the book and get the free video series today. All right. This week was all about death. It's about endings. Next week, it's all about beginnings. What do you need to include in a morning ritual? We all have heard. We all know there's books about it. Your morning ritual is magical. It establishes a story that you walk into for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week. What do you need to include in your morning ritual? I'm going to share what I include in my morning ritual and what I think you should include in your morning ritual on next week's episode. Thanks for joining me for this six-part series in which I coach you on how to experience a meaningful life. By the end of it, I believe we will all be living as heroes in our own story, and that is going to be a relief. No more restlessness, no more boredom. We'll see you next week. I'm in a stage, it away. I need a change, feels like someone needs